Take your Bibles, if you haven't turned here yet, to the book of Luke, please. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. The next couple weeks we'll be centering our thoughts around this special time of year, this Christmas season. And it's a privilege to be able to share some of these wonderful messages from the Word of God about this special time that we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Luke Luke chapter 2, I'd like to read several verses here, beginning in verse number 8, and we'll read down to verse number 19. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, the Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace goodwill toward men. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let's go ahead and pray together, please. Father, thank you for the blessing of being able to come together and share this word of God. I ask that you would speak to us. Help me, Lord, as I share this word that you would just... Help me to share the things that I've studied this week, and may it flow forth with power, power of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful for all that you do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the greatest things about the Christmas story is I love reading this particular scene. Many of us have a manger scene, and we'll look at that, and we'll see the shepherds gathered around, Mary, Joseph, the little one the wise men that are there. You know, I read a cute little story. People have often said, why was it wise men that were there and not wise women? You know, if the wise women were there, they would have come and would have already helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, would have made a casserole and had very practical gifts for the baby. But that's not the Bible story. It's actually the wise men that were there, but they're not found in Luke 2. They're in another portion of Scripture. But this scene is such a wonderful scene. Here the shepherds are given something by the Lord Jesus Christ, and they appear there at that manger scene, and they share the things that they have heard. But in coming and sharing these things and all of the people that were gathered there, we don't know all that were there at this particular time, But there are a number of people that are within earshot of those words that are spoken by the shepherds. But I love out of all the reactions that are given. In fact, look at verse number 18. Notice, if you will, all they that heard it, look at this, they wondered 
at what was shared. That word wondered is a word of amazement. Literally, it is these people are hearing what the shepherds are saying and they're amazed. These lowly shepherds, these people out in the field tending the sheep that really we have nothing to do with, they actually got a word from the angels? Sure enough, these shepherds share this and all of the people wondered, but that's not the emphasis of the message today. Please notice verse number 19 and the attitude or the reflection of Mary. Notice here, if you will, and this verse will be put on the screen. The Bible says, but Mary kept all of these things. And notice it says, and pondered them in her heart. There's two words I want to emphasize in this verse here today. It's the words kept and pondered. The word kept actually means to keep close together or to preserve something. The Greek word is actually used three times in the New Testament and is actually translated differently in the English every time. One time it is used as the word preserve in the illustration of preserving new wine and new leather bottles in order to preserve both the leather bottle as well as the wine. Another time it is used of Herod who kept care of John while in prison in order that he might hear him speak. In fact, the word observe is used. That's the same word that's translated. But here we have this word that Mary heard everything the shepherds said and she kept them close. But she didn't just keep them close. The Bible says she pondered on them. She took a lot of time to think. In fact, that word ponder also is another interesting word. It is a word that means to throw together, to confer or to consider a matter. This word really can be used in two ways. It could revolve around a conversation of two or more people who are conferring about a particular subject and they're discussing this. But it also can refer to exactly what is going on with Mary and that is, All of these words the shepherds are giving. Mary is taking these things in her heart and she's pondering them. She's considering all of these things. You know what's amazing about Mary in the Bible? Whenever you look through Mary in the Bible, this young girl, in fact, I don't know if these ages are correct, but it is estimated that Mary was a young teenager when she gave birth to the Lord Jesus. But here's a young lady who has all these things happening to her, and the Bible tells us over and over how often she's considering what is being done to her and around her. You remember back in Luke chapter 1 when the angels came to announce to Mary that she would bear a son? And in fact, the announcement here is given where it says, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. That's in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And the Bible tells us that Mary was troubled at that saying, But look, if you will, back at chapter number 1 and verse number 29. Notice what Mary is doing here. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And look at this. She cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Here's Mary being given this promise. And she's considering this. 
But then we move on a little bit further. And do you remember when the Lord Jesus is 12 years old and Mary and Joseph and Jesus are traveling to Jerusalem for observance of the Passover? And they come in for that whole week and they observe Passover. And now as a whole family and a group of friends, they're now traveling back to their hometown. And what happens? What is the greatest fear of Mary at this point in Luke chapter 2? A fear of every mother. She loses her son. Now, I'm not going to ask you today who here has lost their child. But I'm sure there's been some of you at a little point in time, you've lost a child. But I want to ask Mary when I get to heaven someday, how in the world could you lose Jesus? Honestly, how in the world could you lose someone like Jesus? But yet as she looks around and goes back to Jerusalem and she finds Jesus there in the temple, what's Jesus doing as a 12-year-old boy? He's teaching all these scribes. He's teaching all these people that knew the Word of God. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible tells us here that Mary began to consider all of these things. Because Jesus says, how is it that you sought me? Basically, why why are you looking for me? You ought to know this by now. I'm already 12 years old. I am about my father's business. Not about Joseph's business, but I'm about my father's business And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, but Mary kept all of these sayings in her heart. Now, again, I could come through various portions of Scripture and tell you about Mary, but I want to say from our text here today that Mary is a thinking woman. She's a woman who is taking all of the events that are going on about what we know about this Christmas story and she's keeping them in her heart and she's pondering those things. No wonder why when the shepherds came, she kept those things and she pondered them in her heart. Everybody else, they're enjoying the experience. They're giving their claps. They're, they're enjoying what they're hearing. They're thinking to themselves, man, we've never seen anything like this before. And not that Mary wasn't amazed. Not that Mary didn't wonder like everybody else did. But Mary took it a step further. Mary kept those things and she pondered them in her heart. To illustrate it this way, let me go ahead and ask you a question. To help us understand about Mary and understand exactly what is going on, imagine if you were there at this particular time, but you were there as a news analyst. Let me ask you a question. If you were covering the news of that day and you are around, how would you cover that news? Oh my. The shepherds, lowly people, receive a message from angels. Oh my. Here it is. A baby is born in a cattle stall. Or maybe the news flash. No room at any of the local hotels. I don't know how you and I would have covered it, but I want to tell you something that Mary considered deeply all of these things. And I suppose if I'm to take this and illustrate it of how everybody else seemed to miss the real value and importance of this, could I maybe illustrate it this way by fast forwarding from Luke 2 to the year 1809. The world scene was a very awful place where fighting was taking place all across Europe. Many of you are familiar with the French uh, general by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte. 
In this particular year of 1809, Napoleon was sweeping through Austria and blood was flowing freely as over 70,000 casualties were in this battle of Wagram. While all the focus was on the war in 1809, nobody was thinking about who was being born that year. William Gladstone was born right before the year closed out. This man was destined to become one of England's finest statesmen, and he helped England with many major reforms. That same year, August 6th to be exact, Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure preacher and his wife. The child would one day greatly affect the literary world in a very marked manner. On the American continent, right across the pond here, just 23 days later, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was a physician by trade, but became, but, but he became famous by his writings. Not far away in Boston, Edgar Allan Poe, best known for his poetry and short stories, began his eventful, albeit tragic, life. It was also in the same year, this 1809, that a physician with the last name of Darwin and his wife named their child Charles Robert Darwin. Early on in that year, there was a baby born in a rugged log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky. The baby's name, maybe you know it, Abraham Lincoln. He became the 16th president of the United States and was instrumental in a crucial time in our nation's history. Now, I want to say to you that if there had been a broadcast or a news outlet given at that time, I am quite certain that the words would have been heard. The destiny of the world is being shaped on the Austrian battlefield today. But I want to tell you something. Though there were great casualties and things that happened in this particular war, do you know where history was actually being shaped? It was being shaped in the cradles of America and England. And in the same way in your Bibles as everybody thought that taxation was the biggest news or that the shepherds received this message from angels, the greatest message was cradled right there in a stall. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. As many of you have seen this passage and you've heard it, maybe you're here today and you miss out on the great significance. So I want to share two things with you briefly. Number one, what are people missing about the first coming of Jesus? What are people missing about Jesus' first coming? You know, with all the festivities and the busyness, do you find this time of year is very busy? I sure do. There's engagements to be done. There's shopping to be done. Oh, how amazing that people miss out really on the greatest thing about this time of year because they're all involved in all of the activities. I was reading this week, each year Americans spend $12.7 billion on gift wrap alone. Each year, 25 to 30 million real Christmas trees are purchased and 8 to 12 million artificial Christmas trees are bought for home display. The United States produces 1.76 billion candy canes each year. 
I think I saw some candy canes behind the information center if you'd like to grab some after the service. If all the Christmas lights that are purchased in the USA each year were laid end-to-end, they would stretch 167,000 miles and can circle the earth seven times. This year, holiday retail sales in the United States are forecast to reach between $957 and $966 billion. And every one of you that are here today... The statistics say that you'll spend approximately $1,000 in Christmas for gifts this year. Pretty amazing how we get caught off with everything else. I'm not saying the gifts aren't important. I'm not saying the wrap isn't important. The, The lights, I love the decoration of all the lights. But I want to tell you something. This Christmas season is not all about that. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, preacher, come on. I'm in church here today. Of course we know it's all about Jesus. Well, do you really? Have you taken time, like Mary, to actually really ponder what all this is about? You see, most of us know who Jesus is, but have we taken time to really ponder why Jesus came? I'm quite sure most of you have read in the chapter before this wonderful song that Mary gave called Mary's Magnificat, or the praise of Mary. It's found in chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. But here we find a young girl that's giving a lot of serious contemplation to this first coming of Jesus. Mary's a young girl who learned the Scriptures well. In fact, while she was in youth group, she won all the contests of learning the Scriptures, I'm sure. She was a young lady that took God's Word and hid it in her heart because in that song of praise are multiple Old Testament Scriptures that Mary knew by heart. And what did Mary realize? Why was she pondering all these things about the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because she was realizing that all of these things that were foretold in the Old Testament are being fulfilled right now. Think with me for just a moment. Mary, no doubt, no doubt, knew what Isaiah wrote well over a thousand years ago. What did Isaiah write? That the Messiah would come and would be born of a virgin. Mary's putting all this together. I don't know, Joseph. We've not had relations together, and there's nothing that's happened, but yet here I find myself pregnant with this Christ child, and imagine now her pondering All of this that 1,000 years ago this prophecy had been made. She must have considered her lineage and realized that she, as a distant relative of David, was bringing forth the Messiah that was promised to him. I have no doubt she probably sat down as every good engaged woman does and she begins to inquire of her new husband. What family are you a part of? And no doubt as Joseph kind of goes back and shares with her that he also is of the lineage of David. Here's Mary pondering all these things. What is she realizing about the first coming? That the coming of Jesus is something valuable and important. And yet the most amazing fact that Mary recognized is that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. Would you do me a favor if you're in chapter 1? 
Go back, if you will, actually, to chapter 1. I want you to notice verses 46 and 47. These are the first two verses of this song of praise that Mary gave. And look at what Mary says. Chapter 1, verse 46 of the Gospel of Luke. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced, look at the next few words, in God my Savior. What does Mary say about that child who grew up to be a man who died on the cross and was buried and rose again? That that child is not just a another child. That is Mary's Savior. So what am I sharing with you here today? I'm letting you know that there are many of you who are going to come in to a church like this and are going to be at wonder and amazement at all the things that go on at Christmas. Oh, you'll enjoy all the Christmas songs and the carols and the lights and the decorations and everything is going to be hunky-dory through this whole next month. But I want to tell you something. There are very few of you that will take time to ponder like Mary about why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came for a couple of reasons. One very indirect reason was that you and I could be right with one another. Think with me about this, the relationships on this earth. I want to tell you something here today. Jesus came so the relationships that we have with one another could be pure and right. Could I encourage you today? Jesus came so you and I could mend a quarrel. Dismiss suspicion. Tell somebody that you care for them. Give something away anonymously. Forgive somebody who's treated you wrong. Turn away wrath with a soft answer. Visit somebody in a nursing home. Apologize if you are wrong. Be especially kind to somebody with whom you work. Give as God gave to you in Christ without obligation, without announcement or reservation, or do it without hypocrisy. What a beautiful thing at this Christmas time if some relatives would patch things up today. What a beautiful time at Christmas time if neighbors and friends and co-workers who are at odds with one another would make things right because the whole reason Jesus came is to set people right with one another. But more important than you and I being right with each other is for us to be right with God. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world to forgive you and I of our sins. That's why he's referred to as a Savior. That's why Mary in her song of praise said, The Lord, my Savior. Have you taken time to consider these things? That Christ came so you could have forgiveness of sins? That Christ came so you could have hope of eternal life? Well, that's the first thing to consider is this. People are going to miss certain things about His first coming, but I want you to notice... What will people secondly miss about His second coming? Well, just as Mary had to consider the Scriptures about His first coming, so you and I, I believe, must consider the Scriptures concerning His second coming. May I say to you today that just as sure as there was a first coming, there also will be a second coming. Preparation's been made long ago. God prepared from as early on as Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. For some 4,000 years, God 
was preparing to reveal his son. And that time came. We read about it. Jesus being born. But I want to tell you now, for the last 2,000 years approximately, Jesus is preparing us for the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Have you ever considered these biblical truths about the Lord Jesus coming again? You remember as Jesus was telling His disciples about His death and burial and resurrection? Boy, they couldn't understand it. They didn't see exactly what was going on. But Jesus begins to turn from all of that and He begins to share with them about the time that He'll come and how He's preparing a place for them. Do you remember those words? He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And I love this. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, note these words, I will come again. It's a promise of Jesus. Imagine these disciples thinking to themselves, Jesus, you're you're, you're coming back? Well, that's a promise that Jesus made. Do you remember when the disciples were with Jesus there in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascends to heaven? Here it is, Jesus had already shown to His disciples for many days His resurrected body. They saw the prince in His hands. They saw the mark in His side from the spear that had gone in. They knew that this was the one who had died for them and was buried. And now, in His resurrected body, He's there with them. But there Jesus gives His last instructions to His disciples. And all of a sudden, imagine being there with those disciples and watching Jesus start going up in the air. That's His ascension. Jesus now is leaving this earth to now go back with His heavenly Father in order that He might send the Holy Spirit to dwell in believers. But I want to tell you something. Here's the disciples, jaws dropped, staring into the sky, watching their Lord go off into the clouds. And what does the angel do that's sitting near them? I love this in verse number 11. Ye men of Galilee... Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen Him to go into heaven. What's the angel saying? He's coming back. You can go through the Old Testament and you can see in the prophetical books. What are many of these prophetical books doing as they're pointing forward? They're letting us know not only about the first coming of Jesus, but they're pointing to the second coming of the Lord. You can read in Zechariah chapter 14 where the Bible tells us on that day when Jesus comes to the earth that His feet will land on the Mount of Olives and that mountain will split apart and there'll be a great valley between. That's the second coming of Jesus. Fast forward all the way to the end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. And what do we find there in Revelation 19? Jesus coming to this earth on a white horse, followed by all of His saints. He doesn't stop at the clouds as the first phase of His second coming, but He comes to this earth and what does He do? He establishes this kingdom of His on the earth, which will be a kingdom that will last forever. So I want to ask you this question. Are you prepared for His second coming? Because just as sure as we believe the Bible that Jesus did come and was born of Mary, I want to tell you something. That same Jesus will come back again. Some of you 
are not prepared. Some of you are caught up with all the activities of this life, not just Christmas, but everything. You're caught up with your career. You're caught up with making a name for yourself. You're caught up with everything of this life. But I want to tell you, when all of this life shakes out, it is a matter of what will you do with Jesus? Are you prepared? Some of you that are here today that have already received Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you something. It's your job and my job to let others know that Jesus is coming soon. But unless you come in and you sit in church and you hear the Word of God, and unless you take the Word of God on your own and begin to ponder like Mary did what this is all about, you as a Christian will not be engaged in telling others because you're just a nominal Christian. But Some of you here today need to highly consider the fact that Jesus is coming and the very fact that you're not prepared. My friend, don't miss out on the news today. Please don't walk out of here, get back to your car and go to your restaurant of favorite choice and start talking and saying, boy, wasn't that a great story the pastor read today? Wasn't that a wonderful thing, the shepherds and all that? I want to tell you something, don't miss the real story. It was December 17, 1903. The names you're familiar with, Orville and Wilbur Wright, had made their first flight of an airplane at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. On their fifth attempt, with the plane under the control of Orville, it embarked on a 12-second flight. Wilbur rushed to the local telegraph office and sent the following message to his sister Catherine back in Ohio. We have flown for 12 seconds We will be home for Christmas. Upon receiving this telegram, Catherine went to the local newspaper office and got with the editor and said, My brothers have flown this new flying machine, and I think it would be good for you to interview them. They'll be home for Christmas. Would you talk to them? He told her that was nice, and he'd say, I'll put something in the local paper. On December 19th, the local paper placed the following headline on the sixth page of the paper. Wright Brothers, home for Christmas. Our gracious Father, we thank you for today and we pray now for this time as we consider the matter at hand about our lives. There may be some here today that are without Jesus Christ. I ask that today, if there is one that is lost in their sins... They don't know that heaven's their home. I pray that today they would place their faith in Jesus Christ.